Hey, I'm Rivka. I'm a health coach and your guide to a more balanced, healthy lifestyle. And I'm Ida, mental health awareness advocate and ADD coach. Welcome to the From the Inside Out podcast. We're mumtrepreneurs and friends who love connecting through meaningful conversations. It all started in an Uber, where we were both inspired by how much we learned from each other's life experiences. We decided then and there to create this platform to invite you to join in our conversation and discover the joy of growth and personal transformation. We'll share the practical and valuable tools, tips, and shortcuts that may have taken us a little longer to learn. Yes, by combining our shared knowledge and expertise and the things that we do to bring more clarity and focus into our lives in mind, body, and soul. Join us in building a strong and supportive network of women who ignite positive change from the inside out. Hey, everyone. Hey. It's bright and early here in the morning in Brooklyn. I'm looking at my little back Brooklyn porch. (laughs) And (laughs) Ida just showed me on Skype in Belhaba her beautiful pink sunrise. Yes. And she's she's locked up in a room with a sign out that says what? It says, meeting in session, please do not disturb. (laughs) Just (laughs) Just in case case anyone decides to wake up super early. um, (laughs) I wanted to have this time to to talk and to jumpstart my morning in a a great way. And that very much relates to the topic we're going to be talking about today. But first of all, we want to thank you all for listening to our first podcast. We are so humbled by the responses we received, and we're looking forward to bringing you new insights and important topics of conversation that will hopefully bring new channels of growth and fulfillment into all of our lives. I was so blown away from all the feedback that we got, all the amazing feedback, and we're so grateful to you for being here. And if you like these conversations, please subscribe so that you don't miss any future podcasts that we release. We have a lot of exciting things ahead, great topics of conversation, important insights that we're going to share. And don't hesitate to contact us if you have any questions or comments. We welcome all feedback. Our goal for today is to invite you into a conversation where we explore the concept of boundaries and what it means for us. As you heard in our introduction to this podcast, it all started in Anuba, where Ida and I were sharing some of our life stories and struggles and how we have evolved through them. And we also realized we had a lot in common in our personalities. We are both free-spirited types. Yes, a little on the wild side. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we both also enjoy giving, have open homes. And so on the surface, boundaries might seem difficult to uphold and perhaps at times a trigger for us. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this too. But then at the end of the day, triggers are our teachers. I think this is really why you and I wanted to tackle this specific topic so that we could explore this concept of boundaries in more depth and really try to understand the role that boundaries play in our lives. You know, I feel like when we think about boundaries, like in the physical world, they're so easy to see. Like we see fences, we see signs, walls, hedges, and now like social distancing, right? These are physical boundaries and they send this message. This is my space. This is my property. And if you cross my fence, you are trespassing. And those are more defined, but in our inner world, in our relationships, boundaries can be a lot harder to understand and define. And the concept of emotional boundaries or even boundaries related to time or space can really be like misunderstood. And I know from research and having studied psychology that boundaries are essential to healthy relationships and really even living a healthy life. But this whole concept is still an enigma of sorts. And it's not, it's not like a textbook science. 
You know, it's not black and white. And if you're here with us, you'll discover that boundaries don't necessarily undermine our freedoms. In fact, the opposite is true. And according to research and the Torah perspective, boundaries are what ultimately will set us free. Yes. Now is a crucial time to discuss this because many of us are in close quarters with our loved ones. And sometimes this is where we might need the most guidance on this topic. You know, I live in Brooklyn where it is really not easy with little kids and confined spaces with no big backyards, no school. I also have big kids missing socializing and, you know, parties and um, being together with their friends. I actually have eight kids ranging from the ages of my youngest just turned six and my oldest is 24. These are difficult boundaries for all of us to practice, and it's hard not knowing how long this will all last, yet it's important to acknowledge what is hard for us and how boundaries can change us and how they have also made us aware of respecting each other's space. Right. And it also really has given us a new, well, I, I'm speaking for myself and, and Eden, and I have discussed this, but it has given us a new appreciation for relationships and connection more than ever before. I find it interesting because now we can kind of look back and realize how much freedom we had, yet we didn't seem to appreciate what counts most when we had it as much as we do now now with these boundaries so true like we took it for granted before yeah but now now we realize that so now it can end you know yeah exactly exactly <laughs> we get it we get it this time period has caused so much pain and suffering in the world we can totally let our minds go to that place where we decide to neglect ourselves physically and emotionally because there is so much deep suffering around us loss of lives of jobs, people who are unwell in hospitals. So who are we to empathize with ourselves when there is so much at stake? But the truth is that in order to have real empathy and compassion for individuals, for our friends and the world around us, we need to create empathy within ourselves and our homes. Ida, do you feel that way? Like what, what has the current situation been like for you? How does it inform your understanding of boundaries? I would say that being quarantined definitely got me thinking about the role that boundaries play in my life, you know, with a husband who's working from home and, you know, and four kids, there's a lot of different needs in our yeah. family and we're really learning how to respect each other's space. So I realized that as we grow and develop, we often look to the world around us for rules and we create this internal boundary that governs us, like often subconsciously. And it's it's almost like this invisible shield that yeah. we carry within us. And eventually it carries over into other areas of our lives. And they're like, I guess, proverbial boundaries, those inner shields. And they, and some are more porous than others. And some people have better boundaries. Um, you know, I feel like I was always in awe of people who just knew who they were. Like no apologies necessary. When they say no, it's not like an insecure no. It's a solid no. When they say yes, they actually mean it, you know? And, and, and I feel like how often I do totally we say yes? I totally feel you. <laughs> right? And how often do we say yes? And then we carry resentment afterwards. I feel like my husband's a good example of someone who's assertive and knows when to say no. You know, he has a solid sense of who he is and never feels the need to apologize. Well, unless it's, you know, to me after an argument, but yeah. like, you know, That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like in the right time, like he's yeah. assertive and I feel like he's taught me that when you have a boundary, when you recognize, you know, what it is that your needs are and how to have them met, that um, everybody's better off. Really, everybody's better off. I know what you mean, um, and I'm getting better at it. The truth is that I do love saying yes. And, but at the same time, there are times where I really got to tap into that word no, you know. I even have a story where I actually said no to a request 
from someone that I, I dearly love. And afterwards, this dear person said to me, I was actually shocked that you said no, because you always say yes. But now I know yes means yes. Like it's so much more meaningful. I actually have trouble saying yes, because when I say yes, oftentimes it's not a real yes. It's kind of a yes that's that has some underlying resentment. And I feel like I kind of wish I could just say yes and mean it and then say no and mean it. You know, this is going to very much relate to what you are saying now. I heard something from Rabbi Shay's tab that is so relevant to knowing who you are in relation to giving without resentment. He says that kindness and giving is what makes the world go round, yet there's this premise that if I give too much, I'll burn out. He says we don't get burnt out from giving. Giving is healthy and natural. We were built to be givers. We get burnt out from taking. What we have to be aware of is that when we are giving, our intention is to truly give and not to take. So when we give, there are no strings attached. We are doing something kind for the sake of love and kindness, and we don't expect any reward, acknowledgement, or something in return. The minute we are investing with strings attached, setting someone up to owe us, even subconsciously, that is when it becomes exhausting and we are burnt out. The burnout comes from trying to get our needs met from others. The exhaustion comes from unmet expectations, not from giving. So he said, don't worry about giving too much and getting burnt out as long as you are truly giving. The minute we start keeping score, that's when we get exhausted. Wow. You mentioned Rabbi Chase Taub, who um, I'm a big fan of. This reminds me of a story a while back, and I hope my husband's okay if I share this. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, find out. Out. we'll find <laughs> yeah. out after the podcast. <laughs> um, but he has a hugely generous soul. He um, literally at this point in his life, like, you know, he's, he's achieved business success. And at this point, he just wants to achieve more success truly because he wants to be able to help more people and give more tzedakah. This one time, you know, there's this particular person that he had been helping for a while and the person kept coming back and he kept giving. And then at one point, the person uh, basically made him feel like he wasn't giving enough. So he called Rabbi Taub and I said, <laughs> you know, it's bothering me that I'm feeling this resentment about giving and because they don't appreciate it. And Rabbi Taub told him, when you give, you give for fun and for free. That is the ultimate giving is give because you're a giver and not because of any expectation that you have from the person who's receiving. You're giving because it's who you are. It's part of your identity. Yeah, and I that love that. Really, that, is, that was really, it was so That profound. is beautiful. And that reflects in him because I just see him giving for fun and for free. And when I watch Ballet Tzedakah like David, it totally makes me think of my father because I grew up with a father who gave Tzedakah so generously and exactly like that for fun and for free to the extent that I feel he inspired and taught so many other philanthropists what it means to give generously and just for the sake of giving. Yes, and I know so many people who consider your father such a mentor. Your parents have changed the landscape of Torah life and enhanced it in so many ways. And every time I go to the IHEL, I see a big sign with uh, your parents' name. Like it says, Yesel, Stara, Gutnik. And it's so beautiful. It must give you so much joy and nachas to know that you come from that legacy. Well, I feel that that generosity and what you see around the world is exactly what the Rebbe had seen in my father and why he gave him so many brachas for wealth. I grew up in a home. You know the quote, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was actually due to both my mom and my dad, and it has always made a great impact in my life till today in what the meaning of giving really is. 
And there's also this concept called the knowing self that I love. I saw a lot of research on this, and that's where sometimes, you know, you have to say yes when you don't want to. So, right. you know, this whole notion of, oh, but don't break. Yeah. Like, and there's this quote, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. And, you know, the way I see it, you know, when something is a no, like with kids, for example, if it's a no, it's a no. And if it's a yes, it's a heck yes. You know, that's how things should be. But sometimes it's not like that. Um, let's say, for example, if someone has a baby, right, and we're doing a meal delivery, and I'm debating if I should sign up or not for the meal plan. And I obviously, I'm busy, I have a lot going on, it's not convenient for me to do it. But my knowing self knows that it's the right thing to do. So there are some times when you just have to kind of refer back to your knowing self. Mm -hmm. And even though something doesn't feel comfortable, and it, it's not aligned with the boundaries that you place for yourself, that it's okay to still or that you should actually still do it. Like you said, bend, but don't break. Or even like an example of swimming. If someone's afraid of the water. Are you going to not get into the water because right. like you put that boundary up? No, you want to keep those boundaries flexible. You want to do the things that you know ultimately will have a good result. Like uh, even exercise is another example. Yes. Know? In regard to exercise, it's my time set aside just for that. Like I'm unbreakable about it, but I'm also flexible, like especially now in quarantine because I need to be. I know um, if I wasn't strong about this boundary, I'd never end up exercising. You know, when I wanted to lose weight back in the day, I realized that I needed to create a boundary for myself in the evenings or otherwise I'd be munching away. There's this yeah. great book, actually, um, Atomic Habits by Jane Clear. It's about how small changes like these lead to remarkable results. He writes that when scientists analyze people who have tremendous self-control, they aren't all that different from people who don't. The difference is that disciplined people are just better at structuring their environment in a way that doesn't require constant heroic willpower. So they spend less time in tempting situations and don't have to practice self-restraint so often. Such an interesting concept. You know, and I don't have great self-control. I know that about myself. If I see a bag of Skittles and some fruit, I'm going for the Skittles. Most people are like that because it's easy to avoid temptation than to resist it. Exactly. That means that if you set up your environment accordingly, set yourself up for success, even in a small in a small way. I like to go to bed by 10 o'clock every night. Um, sometimes I'm flexible. I know I need to be flexible, but I kind of know that by going to bed at 10 o'clock, I'm setting myself up for success because the next morning I will have had a good night's sleep and more alert and all that. So I'm totally with you. One example of me deciding to go to bed earlier and was one of the best boundaries I gave myself because this one change or boundary that I gave myself to create this good habit led me to becoming an earlier riser, to, uh, led me to accomplishing more in the morning, like working out and other things, along with a good breakfast, being alert and happy when my kids wake up. You know, this one habit change leads to another which in the book is referred to as stacking habits. So interesting. If I was up late at night, don't think I wouldn't be just as tempted as you um, or anyone else to be munching in all the things in the cupboard. <laughs> I, I love that you're citing like research because I feel like you bring so much of the Hasidic perspective. And I love to hear you talk about the books that you read that really relate to you know, these truths that we know. Well, like, you're work. very into backed up research too. And yeah, that yeah. on the Hasidic thought, just to explain this further in Hasidus, <laughs> I knew you had <laughs> There are actually 10 spiritual energies in the way Hashem manifests in us and in the world. And two of them are Gevura, which is strength, the ability to have control and boundaries, and Chesed, which is kindness, loving and being kind to oneself. And they manifest side by side. If we just have Gevura, the strength alone, and I'd call that extreme dieting, 
Uh, where is the flexibility and the joy and the kindness? That wouldn't be sustainable. It can't last this way. And if we would just have the chesed, like allowing ourselves anything we desire, boundaryless, how will we achieve our goals? But when we have both the chesed and the gvora, a balance of the two, having boundaries, making those boundaries attractive too, like by creating nourishing meals and healthy treats, as well as being flexible and enjoying the occasional indulgences, this leads to a true peace and balance and harmony, which is called tiferet. It's beauty and harmony. That's the culmination of Gevura and Chesed. And that's where we want to be in a peaceful, harmonic place. Right. I love that. I feel like most of the research that we discuss is rooted in, or even all of it, I would say, is rooted in Hasidic philosophy. I love that thought also because it very much relates to healthy living. Like you want to be able to have those boundaries, have the control, whether it's portion control, eating nourishing foods, as well as have that chesed, the flexibility of incorporating those things that we love that aren't necessarily nutritious, you know, having that balance. That's such a great example because like if you could eat whatever you want, that's not freedom. I cannot but think of how the lifestyle that we live is so in line with this thought. We do have a lot of what people can can perceive as rigid boundaries, but they're coupled with beauty. It's like we have the Gabora and we have the Chesed, like we have the Tiferes. Yes. Like I recently gave this, this uh, Pirkei Avais, like Ethics of Our Fathers class on boundaries and freedom. And when I first read it, it seemed so counterintuitive. You know, it said like the ultimate freedom comes through Torah. And I didn't understand that because to me, Torah represented boundaries and like limitations, not in a bad way, but there are just so many rules. What is that? How does that imply freedom? And how do boundaries set you free? And I look to psychology because psychology is a science and it's grounded in research. And we see in psychology, we see that to be true, that you can only be truly free if there are boundaries in place. Ida, what you just said is so inspiring to me. The fact that you gave a Pirkei Avot Shir, which is totally pushing your boundaries. That's right, in, in a good in way. A good way. Right. Like the swimming lesson you ben, spoke don't about. don't break. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also because we have both been on this on a journey of ups and downs in embracing boundaries and, and still are on this journey. And even just talking about it right here and tapping into the beauty of boundaries like you say, helps me see the light in it. And for all you listeners out there, I hope that it's doing the same for you too. Have you watched Unorthodox? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I did watch it. And it was definitely thought provoking. Like it's been into the room, like in some of my conversations with um, some of my friends who are not Orthodox, they wanted to know, like, is this really the experience? And uh, that's not my experience at all of being Orthodox and being raised Orthodox. Um, but I feel like that story, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a young woman, she's 19 years old. She grows up in the Satmar community, which is an ultra-Orthodox community in Williamsburg. And she gets married young, and then she goes through this internal crisis, and she wants to leave her community. And, and uh, it's dramatic. And then there's a backstory of her. I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's a, also a story of personal abandonment that she's dealing with. So I feel like it's more... To me, it was more a story of a of a young girl fighting her voice. Fighting her voice, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both said yeah. at the same time. Right, but. and so I'm sure that in some communities these experiences happen, and I can't, I can't speak for everyone, and I can't really make any specific comments about um, that 
story or religion in that context. But what I can speak from is my own experience as an Orthodox woman who was raised with many rules and many boundaries, and some that I actually personally struggled with. But I think that seeing my parents who were shluchem, so they do outreach, and seeing the many people that were so enamored by our lifestyle and wanting what we had, that definitely impacted my worldview. And my parents brought people to Judaism. It wasn't the other way around. And for us, like for myself, at least it wasn't, it was never like forced or shoved down my throat. Like I had a lot, I did have a lot of questions and not many answers, but most kids have more questions than answers. And I didn't think that that was the worst thing to experience. You know, sometimes you do have to believe and not ask questions because ultimately we don't have all the answers. Ida, that's so beautiful how you grew up on Shlachas with your parents doing this kind this work and you got to see both sides, you know, you got to see your parents being religious, you got to see them inspiring people who aren't religious and how inspired you were by that. Yeah, I mean, my parents are amazing people and I feel very lucky to have had that experience. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I, like you, grew up surrounded by people from all different walks of life. Actually, my grandparents from both sides of my family came to Australia after World War II and straight away became founders in building the religious community. They could have left it all behind them after the war. You know, they were traveling to the other end of the world from Europe and Russia, but they really wanted to implement their religious values they grew up with, and they they truly believed in it. And my parents also built many solar relationships with the secular world in business and politics and in many friendships at our Shabbos table. And I watched them have these relationships. And at the same time, they remained strong in their values and boundaries of religion, which inspired and influenced so many people to uphold their Jewish roots and connect to Hashem and Torah. That's so beautiful. And then you and I both have that shared background of grandparents who came from Europe and my grandfather risked his life to be an observant Jew. And I think that the fact that he knew he could be killed if he was caught gave him every excuse in the world to not observe these, these rituals and these traditions and keeping kosher, which he did in Russia, which was almost impossible. And, you know, it just gives me an appreciation for our freedom. Sometimes when we, when we have the freedom, we take it for granted. I think that connecting to his story makes me appreciate what we have. And your yeah. grandparents had, you know, many struggles going to Australia. Starting from and scratch. Yeah, yeah, it's country. incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And I did have my own struggle. I'm not going to say I didn't, despite the fact that I had loving and amazing parents. I had a struggle with boundaries, especially at school. I actually did get kicked out of school. <laughs> I was expelled for not keeping the rules and for disobeying and whatever yeah, you want to call it. there comes that free spirit at Ida. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? And so that was my way of sort of questioning the system. I did not agree with everything. You know, I wanted to choose what worked for me. I like to think about how, like something like college. When someone signs up for university or college, they have to take certain classes that they might not want to take. And, you know, when I signed up, I understood that I don't really have a choice. There are core prerequisites that I have to take. And there were some that I hated. But, you know, like when I took statistics, it was just a requirement that I couldn't get out of. And I thought when I got to graduate school that things would be different. And guess what? There's a graduate level statistics too, because uh, in graduate school, usually you take more of the courses that you like that are in line with your work, but still there are these things that you don't want to do. Yeah, I love your analogy of college and totally relate to your ups and downs. And I'm inspired also by the beauty in what you're talking about. I, I found unorthodox actually excruciating to watch at some points. At first I thought it was all the boundaries that were triggering me, even though the boundaries we keep are nowhere near as extreme, but there's still boundaries. And it did get me wondering, what would I really be like without them? You know, would I, would I really feel free? These are questions that I ask, but 
I don't have the answers to because I haven't been there. But what I do know is that if I'm true to myself, is that even though some of them are harder than others, they help me connect to Hashem. And, and they also create a strong family unit with good values, which I've been thinking about in quarantine. I feel like so many of us experience this. And what we don't realize is that there probably there isn't a single person who doesn't struggle. Yeah, we're just being real. Even, you know? <laughs> no, right. No, even even the greatest of Sadiqim struggle with faith. Yes. And in many ways, it's the struggle that brings the greatest levels of growth and fulfillment. And I think that the assumption that less boundaries give us more freedom. And if we look at history, we see that before democracy and before the imposition of rules, there was chaos. Yeah, I love that you brought in that history. You know, there are so many gifts that are inherited in the in the boundaries that we have that enhance our lives in such a beautiful and major way. Like I, I very much resonate with family purity, Tarasamashbacha, Shabbos, you know, lighting the Shabbos candles. There's so much meaning in that, bringing light into the world. I love making challah because it takes me back to our mother's Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. And by the way, if you want my healthy challah recipe, you can go to my website, revivewithrivka.com. It's a whole spell challah. You know, so yeah, kosher, all these things are boundaries, but these boundaries have actually enhanced my life. And, you know, we've got to tap into that more and talk about that. So in all these beautiful things, you know, are the result of the boundaries that we put in place, you know, and it's so important to remember that Mm -hmm. and to remember that in many ways, the things that we talk about, we're sort of um, talking to ourselves as well, because these are reminders that we constantly need to be reminding ourselves of, because it's easy to forget. It's easy to kind of get lost and forget that boundaries are so important. And really when we know what's non-negotiable for us, it's so much easier to navigate the yeses and the nos. I know that I keep kosher. So I know that if I'm traveling and there's no kosher food, I'll either have to make do without kosher food or find something kosher that I can eat. I am not going to eat non-kosher. Just that's sort of a boundary that I place for myself or someone who is, you know, gluten-free. They're not going to eat gluten. You know, that's right. a boundary that they place. So no matter how hungry they are, well, I guess, unless it depends if it's a, an allergy or just a choice, but, you know, having that boundary in place can help a person as they go through life and figure out what is negotiable, what isn't. So we should summarize some key points. First of all, boundaries are not selfish when they're used properly. And they're a way of showing ourselves empathy and compassion so that we can bring empathy to the people around us. Yes, because otherwise we think we can get away with not taking care of ourselves or not putting up the boundaries for ourselves, but then we get burnt out and and we're not ultimately able to be there for others as well. And setting those boundaries don't necessarily come naturally. Assertively communicating your boundaries take practice. So start with a small boundary. Like I told you, it's called stacking habits. Like start with something small and that will lead to and, and see how it feels for you and really tap into if this does enhance you as a person and lead to you bringing more positivity into your life. That's when we enter into a space where we are more equipped and able to give fully, like for fun and for free with no expectation or preconditions. Like it's this, this is like the essence of true giving and that's freedom. It also really gets you to a place of knowing who you are as a person right. and that, and that's freedom. Right. And like, I, and, right. and like when, and when you feel triggered, let's say somebody does kind of infringe, you know, um, or like invade, proverbially invade your territory, right? Remember you have an internal shield and yeah. especially with difficult people, like remember that if someone gets angry when you set boundaries, that's probably a sign that boundaries are actually needed. So that's something to remember. 
Yes, um, totally. Well, well, the bottom line is creating healthy boundaries can only happen once we recognize the most impactful way to bring positive change is from the inside out. Right. Remember, only the truth of who you are, if realized, will set you free. Until next time. Until next time, guys. Thank you, everyone, for being here. <laughs>